0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Seeds and Weeds, the brand new podcast from Small House Farm. Are you looking to dig a little bit deeper into what it means to be a gardener, an herbalist, a seed saver, or a forager? Then you come to the right place. And I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. All right. Well, we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be doing five questions with Seed Saver and New Jersey food activist Jeff Quattrone. Jeff's going to share quite a bit about the work that he's doing over there in New Jersey, and he's going to tell us why he loves that New Jersey tomato. Before the interview, we're going to dig into what's happening in the garden right now. But first, I just want to share a little bit with you about what's been happening recently here at Small House Farm, some personal updates and things. Obviously, something new here is this podcast. Uh, This is our first episode. We've had a lot of fun putting this thing together, so I hope that you do enjoy it. We've also recently launched a new Patreon page. And we're hoping this might be a cool way to help us all stay connected with the folks that support our work. If you'd like to check it out, you can find it through our website, which is seedsandweedspodcast.com or patreon.com slash smallhousefarm. For as little as $3 a month, you can support our work. And each tier comes with a whole slew of great benefits and gifts. So please check that out if you're interested. I've also been working on a new book project for Timber Press. It's actually a series of books uh, that's going to be coming out in May. I am pretty excited about this project, and I'm going to share some more details about the books with you in our next episode. So uh, be sure to tune in. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the garden. Right now in Michigan, it is the dead of winter, so my garden chores do look a little differently than they normally would, Uh, but if you're in a warmer climate, you know, say Florida, Southern California, something like that, your gardening season is still happening. You're probably out there planting cold weather crops, direct seeding things like cabbages and and Brussels sprouts and kale and radishes and what have you, or your warm weather crops, things like tomatoes and peppers. You're probably getting those started under lights indoors soon. If you're not doing it right now, it's going to be coming up soon, and we do not have that luxury here in Michigan. Things are under a blanket of snow. We did have some crops that held out as long as they possibly could. Some of those cold weather favorites, you know, things like uh, calendula and parsley, uh, radishes and kale held on a real long time. We have a little hoop house out here, which helped uh, extend the season quite a bit, um, which was really, really nice. And for those of you that have a heated greenhouse, you very well might still be picking produce in your Michigan gardens right now. That is fantastic. And, you know, I got to be a little bit jealous about that, right? And for those of you growing down in Florida and California and these other warm climates, I'm a bit jealous of what you got going on too. You're growing practically two seasons worth of food in one year where um, I'm out here shoveling snow instead. But there's something to be said about this off season, you know, when winter comes and we can't get out into the garden like we might want to, we're kind of forced to uh, take a break, sit down and rest and recuperate. It's kind of nice, really. I do like having this off season and it gives me an opportunity not only to reflect upon this last year's garden and all of my successes and failures and all that sort of thing, but it also gives me some time to plan next year's garden to think about what went right and what went wrong and the changes that I can make to improve, to have a bigger and better garden next year. I like to use the month of January to uh, diagram my garden, draw out my plans, really give myself a, a visual aid to really see all the potential different things that we could do with next year's garden. I really like to draw it out, make some lists, that sort of thing, and flipping through seed catalogs. They're going to start showing up in the mail any minute now. All my favorite seed catalogs are going to be coming and I could brew myself a nice cup of tea and I can kick back next to the fire and I can flip through these seed catalogs. You know, that being said, there's some indoor gardening happening right now, too. I have a lot of plants that we grow. Um, First one off the top of my head that I think of, of course, rosemary. I love to grow rosemary, but it is not going to survive in Michigan outdoors in the wintertime. It's just not going to happen. It gets too cold here. So I bring my rosemary in. I put it in a southern facing window. I can keep it all winter long. Um, I love having a little indoor garden like that. It gives me something to work on. You know, I got herbs that I can harvest fresh all winter long. I've got beautiful green plants in my house, which is really nice. It gets a little dreary and gray sometimes here in Michigan in the winter. So having those green plants really helps lift the spirit. There are still plenty of ways that we can go out there and work with our plants and we can keep ourselves busy in the garden. Today, we're sitting down to do five questions with Jeff Quattrone. Jeff is an artist and heirloom seed activist who connected the public to the local seed and agricultural history in South Jersey through his Library Seed Bank project. Jeff's personal passion is the Jersey tomato. His curated, authentic Jersey tomato seed collection is housed at the Library Seed Bank, and he's brought six Jersey bred tomatoes that were functionally extinct back to the South Jersey area. Jeff, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast with us today. I am so excited to have you here.
1: Thanks, Bevan. I'm I'm happy to be here, too. Uh, Thank you for inviting me and I look forward to um, chatting.
0: So the format today is just going to be five questions. I got five questions coming up here for you. But before we get into that, just for the folks at home, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do.
1: Okay, so I am an artist and a seed activist here in um, southern New Jersey. And what I do is I started a seed library program in 2014. And uh, over the course of of that that time, I found that there's a real interest in the local community in Jersey's history of agriculture and tomatoes and seeds. So now what I do is through these um, seed libraries, I connect the public to the local um, seed and agriculture history by reviving functionally extinct uh, Jersey tomatoes and finding local cool heirloom seeds that I can bring to to the public through the seed libraries.
0: That's awesome, man. That's very, very cool. That's great work. So the format being five questions, that means there's no follow-up questions at all for each one of these. So I've just got five straight up questions. So feel free to be as uh verbose as you would like to be. Are you ready to get started?
1: Yeah I like this. Let's go.
0: All right here we go. I'm gonna put you on the spot right away. Although I think I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be for this one. Question number one: if you had to pick a favorite plant or plant family What would it be? Tomatoes.
1: Um, You know, I'm Italian and I'm second generation. So, uh, you know, growing up, um, tomatoes were part of, you know, they were part of our culture, part of our life, part of my experience growing up. And I like the flavor of them. I mean, I just, you know, eating a a tomato fresh off the vine um, is one of the most wonderful experiences that you can have.
0: I knew that was going to be your answer, Jeff. I was like, oh, I asked Jeff this question. I know he's going to say tomato for sure. You know, one of the one of the interesting things
1: about this is uh, about tomatoes was until I got into seed work, I wasn't really aware of 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 the vast majority of heirloom varieties of tomatoes. I was just used to, you know, the you know, the Jersey Reds, as some people refer them, refer to them around here. You know, on occasion, we would grow some Lemon Boys as a kind of an antler once i you know saw all these other varieties i went crazy and you know i have to say that a cherokee purple is my absolute favorite tomato um and that's not a jersey bread variety so there is you know i am open to um <laughs> to other things um in the tomato world you know it's not just jersey
0: tomatoes all right listen to this we got you on record with your favorite tomato right here
1: yeah i i have no problem admitting that i mean Cherokee purples <laughs> for my for my flavor profile um you know i just love the um I love the balance between acid and sweet just the intensity of flavor and that variety is 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 just very unique for my palate that's
0: awesome all right second question Jeff what is your most recent garden success
1: Oh my most recent garden success ah wow. Well, I I have to say, like in my in my in my personal garden, I would say it's been celery over the last couple of years, although not this year. This year, the heat burned up my my seedlings. But celery is something that I really like. I like the flavor of it. I use it in a lot of of cooking. I love making celery soda. Um, celery soda is one of my favorite things to drink and I, I was always kind of a little intimidated of starting it from seed because it's you know, it takes a long time to germinate, it's really slow to get started. The difference in flavor is in celery and in texture and you know, the celery that we see in stores are, you know, are, is, is a Paschal type and it's, you know, it's the long long stalks.
0: Okay, so we're going to flip the question over then, so question number three is going to be we're going to talk about what's your most recent garden failure, but the question specifically Is what is the lesson that you learned from a recent garden failure?
1: Oh, I learned so much from my garden failures. The last, most important lesson that I learned is not to take anything for granted um, when it comes to starting from seeds. That's a recurring lesson that you know I learn every year, but it's just the most important thing because when you start things from seed, it's a it's it's kind of a sacred process. And you have to be very respectful of of the seed and the time and the water and light it needs and the soil temperature. There's so much to that that you just can't rush it. Every year I end up trying to rush the process with some of my seeds and it just doesn't work and it becomes a failure. But then I never learned that lesson. So and I keep doing it the same you know, the same thing over and over again. You know, it's, it's this constant thing that I have with trying to rush this incredibly sacred, beautiful process.
0: Yeah, I can completely relate to that. You know, I always remind myself every year, every year I learn the same lesson too to just slow down. Um, I get so excited in the spring. You know, it's finally time to get back out to the gardens and stuff. And it's hard to remember to just kind of slow down and be in the moment and appreciate every step of the process for sure. All right. So speaking of excitement, that's going to bring us right into the next question. What is a current project that you are working on that you are very, very excited about?
1: Oh, okay. So I have a a manuscript that I wrote that I'm really proud of. It's about the Jersey tomato being the intersection of uh, tomato seed breeding and local food and seed history here in South Jersey and um, how Jersey culture is a reflection of that. And it's really been a fascinating project from my point of view, just, you know, diving really deep into uh, what was here And seeing what what was here from a seed and sovereignty point, seed and food sovereignty point of view, which is um, something I'm really passionate about. You know, it's really important that uh, people understand the power that they have to secure their own seed and to secure their own food and how um, that power is is not as uh, prevalent today as it was, you know, maybe a hundred years ago when food was more of a local way of life. This book is um, a reflection of that. And it's a reflection of, of my life and how this um, kid who got moved from South Philly to a suburb in South Jersey found his way into uh, this passion for tomatoes and this passion for um, Jersey.
0: Man, I love this. I have a feeling we're probably going to have to have you back on the show, Jeff, uh, when the book's out so we can talk about it some more.
1: Yeah, I would. I would. I look forward to that. I can't wait to get this book out here because, you know, I'm, I am tell a lot of people about it and i are like, well, when's it coming out? I want to read it. And I was like, well, have patience, you know,
0: soon enough. All right. So the last question, what is a project that you are not personally involved in that you're really excited about? So who's your shout out today?
1: Oh, who's my shout out today? Wow. I'm um, going to give a shout out to um, Slow Food because everything that I do is connected to uh, the Arc of Taste, which is a project that I work on. You know, they really are a good organization. They're international and uh, they really have this decentralized model. You know, they have these uh, big campaigns and these ideas, but they encourage people to take these and apply it in their local community, which is a really great thing to do because No no two communities are alike and no two people are alike. So they really provide the opportunity for someone to walk into this um, local, national and global network and make it work for themselves.
0: Oh, I love it, man. That's a great choice. All right. That wraps it up. That's the five questions that we've got today. So for folks that want to stay in touch with you after they hear the podcast, where can we find you online, Jeff?
1: Okay. okay. www.libraryseedbank.info.
0: That's it, man. Thank you again for being on the podcast, Jeff. We had a great time with you. Thanks again so much. Thanks
1: for having me. And thanks um, to the people out there listening.
0: that was a great interview. Jeff really got me looking forward to reading his new book when it comes out. I've added links to Jeff's website and to the Slow Food International website down to the show notes, so you can check that out if you want to. I'm also really intrigued by the celery soda. That was new to me. Uh, I found a recipe online, and I've put it down on our Patreon page. You can find that again, remember, at patreon.com slash smallhousefarm. All right, today we're going to wrap up the show with a seed story. Seed stories come hand in hand with the heirloom seeds that we grow in our gardens, and just like we save our seeds to share them with our communities, we need to save their stories too. The story of Radiator Charlie's Mortgage Lifter Tomato, it's a classic. And if you're familiar in any way with heirloom seed stories, you've probably heard this story before. But I think it's worth sharing anyways. Not only is it a great story, the lesson that we can all learn from this seed story, incredibly valuable. So I think it's it's really worth covering. So now, the story begins here in the early 1930s in the city of Logan, West Virginia. And the character here is Marshall Cletus Biles, also known as M.C. Biles, also known as Radiator Charlie. Now, Marshal Cletus Biles, he owned a uh, radiator shop, car repair place at the bottom of a hill there in Logan, West Virginia. Very, very steep hill. And uh, legend tells it that the large trucks that would come through town, they'd barely be able to make it up this hill and they would overheat and roll back down the hill. Lo and behold, right next to where Radiator Charlie had set up his radiator repair shop. So Radiator Charlie, Mr. MC Biles, he wanted to grow some big tomatoes, right? So he got some of the biggest tomato varieties around that he was familiar with. Uh, the one for sure that everybody knows by name is the German Johnson. He also got a beefsteak type tomato and a couple of other. Uh, So he had four plants, four different varieties. And he would put one tomato in the center, one tomato plant in the center, and then put the other tomatoes in kind of a circle around that. And he would cross-pollinate, taking pollen from the outer plants and putting it on the flowers of the plant in the center, right? And he grew beautiful tomatoes, big whoppers. He made the point of selecting them from the largest tomatoes that grew. So he saved the seeds from those and continued to select and save seeds from the biggest and tastiest tomatoes. Took him about six years before he'd stabilized his variety that he absolutely loved. He sold the plants on the roadside. Remember, he lives at the very popular location at the bottom of this hill. People love Radiator Charlie's tomatoes. They're driving from all around hundreds of miles, they say. They would come to buy these tomatoes. He made enough money to pay off the $6,000 mortgage on his house. So Radiator Charlie's mortgage lifter tomato. It's an Appalachian variety. Um, Like I said, it's from down in West Virginia, Uh, but we've grown them right here in Michigan and they've just absolutely fantastic for us. But the beauty of the story here is not so much that Radiator Charlie was, was able to breed this wonderful tomato. But it's more so that Radiator Charlie was an everyday guy, just like you and me. He had no formal education, certainly not in plant breeding by any means. He's a smart fellow, of course. Look at where he had his business at. He wasn't a scientist. He wasn't a scholar. But Radiator Charlie was able to breed an incredible, beautiful tomato. So good, in fact. 80 years later, people are still growing Radiator Charlie's mortgage-lifter tomato. And he made that possible. So the lesson that we can learn from this story is that seed saving and plant breeding go hand in hand. What did Radiator Charlie... Charlie do? He selected seeds from the best plants, the biggest tomatoes, and continued to grow bigger and better tomatoes. We can do that in our gardens every time we select and save our seeds. We're doing the exact same thing that Radiator Charlie did. Seed saving is something that is accessible to all people. Radiator Charlie and you and me. It's the same for all of us. Well, there we go. That's the show. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. And remember, you can always support our podcast through our Patreon. And you can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. Thanks again to Jeff for joining us today. This episode was edited and produced by everybody here at Small House Farm. The music you're listening to right now is called Swing by Music for Videos. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. I'm Bevan Cohen, and this has been the Seeds and Weeds Podcast. Howdy friends, Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world and they're publisher of the whole seed catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.